All right, uh, let's get going. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff going on today. Uh, we are just uh, hours out of uh, National Signing Day. It was on Wednesday, but Texas picked up a commitment yesterday, uh, a signee actually from uh, DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver out of uh, St. John Bosco uh, in uh, uh, Southern California. Uh, Jerry, let's talk about him real quick uh, before we get to some other things. Also, I want to the question of the day for the chat right now is, where are you from? And how cold is it there? Uh, Jerry, tell me where you're from and how cold it is there. And furthermore, let's talk a little DeAndre Moore. Friendswood, Texas hadn't got about, it was 16 this morning, which is, you know, for Friendswood, that's really, really rough now. Uh, wind was blowing, I think it was one wind chill at six in the morning in Friendswood, Texas. So uh, that's a little different, right? Not working. I grew up there right in those parts, and it was uh, def that's definitely not what I'm used to there. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think anybody was out on the beach in Galveston this morning. I'll say that. So tell, tell us a little bit about DeAndre Moore, the most recent commitment. Yeah. Uh, from the Longhorns. 5'11 and a half, six foot, 190 pounds. Uh, missed some of his senior season due to injury, which I don't know what that was. He came back and played. Um, but he's, he's a guy who's a – I would say he's more of a run and catch receiver right now. Not that he can't make people miss, but really, really good route runner. I think he's advanced in that. Regard, I think he's a strong frame guy. He does have a 10.90 uh, fully automatic time 100 meters as a personal record. So, yeah, I think he's a little quicker than he may show on video. Uh, but he's got really good hands. Uh, you know, look, he's a guy that obviously Louisville fought for up until the minute he signed. Uh, but I thought what was interesting with his recruitment is, you know, that, that was a head-to-head -head win over Georgia for Texas. I mean, Georgia wanted DeAndre Moore. I got a call the weekend – uh, that Moore and his family were in Austin that last weekend, and Georgia was very disappointed the kid was there. Uh, Georgia would have signed DeAndre Moore. So uh, I'd said it was two head-to-head -head wins over Georgia. I was wrong. Somebody uh, corrected me on Inside Texas, and what a miss it was. Arch Manning, Sadir Mitchell, and DeAndre Moore. So three head-to-head -head wins over Georgia. That's about as much as you can ask when you're 8-4 uh, and four going up yeah. against Georgia. Jerry, no which doubt. one did you forget? That's Arch that Manning. Arch Manning. I just threw that one. You know, that was so long ago. Yeah, I, Jerry, you, you know, you only forget the number one player in the country every so often, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hey, hey uh, uh, this week's uh, Longhorn live stream, we're, we're going to take uh, questions and, and talk to you uh, for about an hour today. A uh, little recruiting talk, portal talk, whatever it takes. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you to one of our uh, primary sponsors, and that's Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to start 2023 uh, taking a different path, uh, you might want to give Andy a shout. Uh, you may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. And, well, Andy can help you diversify or start anew. Uh, if you're looking to leave the corporate ran, rap race, try Andy at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He will interview you and try to suit you and fit you up with a uh, franchise that works best for you and give you a couple of different options as well. We appreciate Andy and his ongoing support of uh, Inside Texas and on Texas football. Um, Ian and, and Jerry, we're, we're looking at signing day now, 48 hours in the rearview mirror, basically. Uh, most The biggest positive in your estimation and the biggest negative. Uh, Ian, I want you to go first because we haven't really heard from you yet uh, that much on recruiting at this point. Well, I'll say that I also, I'm, I'm really from Austin, but I live in Southeast Michigan. It's five <laughs> degrees right now in Southeast Michigan. 
storm was moving south to north, so it actually hit Texas first. Um, I'm yeah. actually stranded here for Christmas. We were going to fly down, and we had to postpone. I thought the the biggest positive. I, I mean, yeah, I guess you'd have to say linebacker. I, I want to say that just the general process of rebuilding the roster to look like an SEC team. Um, they're, the offensive line, if you look at the offensive line that they got, it's enormous. That's obviously what they want to be. Um, they only signed one defensive tackle, but he's one of the biggest people in the country. Anthony Hill's a big linebacker. Darian Gillette's a big linebacker. Leonga LaFau is not a big linebacker, but he's physical. They've just got a lot of players that they've not had to play in the trenches, and I know that that was a concern for them when they got to Austin originally. Negative, there weren't very many. I would just say the class would have really – the cherry on top would have been having a really good receiving tight end in there. They're going to want to find one of those to play with Arch Manning. Um, unless Will Randall can be that. Maybe he's a little better than we think. But um, that would have been uh, Deuce Robinson or maybe uh, Pimpton would have been just just a great piece to, to cap it off. All right, Jerry, you're high and low uh, for the recruiting campaign? Um, I, I think the, uh, the high was up the middle defense for me. Sadir uh, Mitchell could be a – first, second round type guy. He was recruited by Georgia like he's going to be a first round, second round guy. Uh, Derek Williams at safety. Look, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian in his press conference said this could be a first round pick one day. Coaches don't say that very often in press conferences. Then Michael Griffin was like, could be one of the best safeties ever played at Texas. So look, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah, those, that's pretty high praise. And then you look at the linebacker position, whoever plays in the middle. I think you got two candidates there and, and Anthony Hill and Burrell. So I think I think the up the middle defense, maybe the Texas fans wanted to see more numbers at defensive tackle. But at the end of the day, they brought some guys in. But but Texas decided they need big bodies headed into the SEC. And there just weren't many of those um, in the class. But I think they got one of the very best defensive tackles in the country, one of the very best safeties in the country and two of the best inside linebacker prospects in the country. And and, and when you look at going into the SEC, I think those are all very, very important positions. Then, obviously, linebacker as a whole. Um, You know, I would have said corner, and nothing against Malik Muhammad, top 50 prospect in the country, if not for Gavin Holmes. I think high school recruiting in the corner, maybe they needed one more guy to develop out of that class. Uh, When you consider Terrence Brooks or Austin Jordan, one of those two guys is going to move to safety. Both of them aren't going to stay at corner. So uh, maybe one more high school corner. Uh, But otherwise, I think, you know, and I agree with I agree with Ian. You know, I I wish they had gone after Pimpton earlier, but here's the reality. They're still in on Deuce Robinson. He announces in February. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, But I agree with Ian is if there was an offensive miss, it would have been just a a downfield receiving threat at tight end because Jatavian Sanders is going pro after next year. Yeah, I think he should. <laughs> that, <Good. laughs> yeah, I, if he has another good year, I mean, they, they, I, I'm not one of those guys. Oh, he needs to stay. Um, you know, my my strength, I, I like both of y'all's calls, uh, to be fair. I mean, I, I think that that's uh, the biggest piece. I think mine is it feels to me like they kept the momentum going overall from last year. Uh, Jerry, you and I have been doing this a long time. Yep. and it's often it happens quite a bit where a team kind of peaks and, and makes a run in recruiting and the next year eh, 
not very good. I mean, right? We we both yes. seen that. Yes. If I think my strength of this class is more uh, from a standpoint of it, it's strong all over, and it melds well with last year's class. For example, the offensive line this year, I think it has a cup. Uh, it has a lot of developmental guys. Well, when you mix them with last year's group, they've got some time to develop those kids. Yes. Now, um, and so I feel like that's a little bit of the case. I think the defensive end spot is some, somewhat like that as well. Uh, even, uh, you know, you just look at it, defensive tackle, you're waiting to see where the bodies of Jeray Bledsoe and Chris Ross and those guys actually go. Are they going to stay in the 250s? Or are they going to end up being 300, you know, after a year, year and a half or two in the program? Um, and so I think it, I like how it melded all together and how they, they strung together uh, two classes. Weakness, uh, mine would be uh, a edge guy that is, I, I mean, I'm, I know Colton Vosick and Cecilia Connor are very good players. I'm talking about, you know, the guy, the Miles Garrett type. Right. Right. Now, I know that's asking for a super freak at edge. I mean, I, I get that. Um, but that would probably be my one, a guy that you know with a large degree of certainty is going to play very, very early at edge. I, I would have probably said that would be the one because uh, that ultimately, I think, wins you more ball games next year, potentially. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. All right. Uh, we're talking here on the Longhorn live stream. You got Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas, as well as on three. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, let's keep going, guys, in this in this vein uh, and really talk about uh, how it relates to the portal and what Texas needs. I wrote an article today. Eric Nalin wrote an article today about what we're looking at in the portal. I think Texas is going to look at receiver some more in the portal, but whoever they take is not necessarily in the portal today and or they'll wait until after the spring if those if some of those types of players don't develop. They're not going to just take another guy. Uh, that's number one. Uh, safety, we've mentioned Jihad Carter. We were the first to, at Inside Texas to mention him as a possibility. He was an in, in on a visit over this past weekend uh, at Texas. Or not this past weekend, I guess, but the well, yeah, it is. It's the Saturday and Sunday uh, weekend. Um, uh, but the Syracuse safety was in uh, Texas, looking at him. Uh, we also think that they could look uh, potentially at edge and defensive tackle if they can find somebody that makes sense for. Them. Uh, so, guys, um, what are your thoughts on the portal at this time and what Texas really needs to focus on? Ian, why don't you take one position and then Jerry, you follow on with with another? Well, edge is the big one, right? Um, they return. They actually had a bunch of guys leave. They're going to lose a Gofu. Uh, you know, they needed to upgrade. Getting a Gofu back wasn't going to be the difference that they needed, but they lose him. They lose Devin Richardson, who is solid behind him, but he, again, not the elite edge that you're talking about. Um, I want to say they're losing another one as well, but they've got all these young guys. Well, they lost Dorba, who played they lost a little bit Dorba, there. That's right, in the portal. Yep. He'd already, you know, Devin Richardson was beating him out for second string snaps at the end of the year. So that kind of tells you. So they're losing a lot of numbers there. They have room to add more numbers. They have a lot of talent and it's just not, it's all these like developmental guys, you know, Jamon Tapp, Ethan Burke, who we knew was going to have to add a ton of weight. Justice Finkley, who may need to back up Sorrell. They, that's a really hard spot to find in the portal. Not the hardest, but a hard one because you know, it, if you're a really good edge pass rusher, you're probably pretty happy where you're at. Um, and you're not like looking for playing time, but uh, they really need to find that guy if they can. 
a weak side pass rusher who's, you know, seven sacks, second team all Big 12 is a modest addition, but would still make an enormous difference on this team next year. Gary, what do you think, bud? I think yeah, I, I think secondary, I think, or receiver from here. I'm going to take sec- I'm going to take secondary. I think Jihad Carter is a huge decision coming up for Texas. Um, if they can beat out Ohio State for him, uh, look, he's a guy that he's an NFL prospect at safety. Um, he is a, is an instant impact starter at Texas. And when you look at you know what does Texas need to do to win the Big Twelve next year? There's a couple of ways to do it, right? I mean, edge, get more pressure, or get more playmaking out of your secondary. I think I think either or, I think it's going to be easier to get more playmaking in your secondary. And I think Jihad Carter would be that. And that would also allow, uh, you know, Texas to bring Derek Williams along a little slower because he's not an early enrollee. I mean, and and when you think about that, Jacoby Matthews is number one safety in the country last year out of Ponchatoula. It, well, A&M was able to bring him along slowly because they had some bodies in front of him that were really good players. And, and I think that's going to benefit Jacoby. Then he played more season went on. Same with Bryce Anderson at the nickel spot over at AM. So I think it's similar to that. If Texas get Jihad Carter, obviously it make, gives them better playmaking, gives them better – the safety spot gets better immediately. But it also gives them a chance to really bring along a very talented freshman uh, slowly and not throw him into the fire right out of uh, – Right, right at the start of the season, because I think Derek Williams right now would be a guy that would compete with guys for a job, even though he's not coming in as an early enrollee. And I don't think that's ideally what you want to do um, since he's not in in spring football coming from uh, Westgate High in New Iberia. I think having him as a backup, play him on special teams, bring him along slowly as the season moves along it is the right call there. So I think safety is a huge one in the portal for Texas when you're looking at how do you win the Big 12 next year? Gary, do you happen to know if Malachi Starks was an early enrollee for Georgia? He was. He was. Yeah, that makes sense. And they loved him coming out of the spring. They were like, he's special. <laughs> yeah, they started him like week one, and he's yes. like third on the team in tackle. And that's so, rare. I mean, he played running back yeah. quarterback more than defense his senior year in high school, so yeah, that's wow. a very rare thing. Well, um, hey, guys, uh, got some news that broke a little bit uh, before we went on air here on the live stream. Uh, and that's that Roshan Johnson officially opted out. We all have already reported that, but Roshan officially made that public today. Uh, Roshan Johnson, the uh, senior leader, uh, backup running back for the Longhorns, uh, not playing in the bowl game as expected. Uh, hats off to him and uh, what a tremendous career he had at Texas. And, uh, you know, he I, I feel like he's going to be known as one of the guys that, that helped turn the tide uh, at Texas. Uh, and, and at times put Texas on its back. Uh, I go back to not any particular game this year. I guess one game I thought that he provided a real umph of leadership this year was versus UTSA. Texas looked like they were sleepwalking in the first half. He goes out there and hurdles a guy. You know, they they go on and then they they kind of mud stomp UTSA after that in the run game. Uh, but that Kansas State game a year ago, uh, where he basically said, "Hey, get on my shoulders. Let's let's win this." And a uh, uh, tremendous young man. Uh, congratulations to him, uh, and wish nothing but the best for him. Uh, want to ask? Want to take other people's questions now? Uh, we've got a couple of super chats here. I want to get to. Uh, let's start with this one, Jerry. Uh, go for it. Why didn't Texas go over after Nicole's Harbor? The scheme. This is the super freak edge guy that I talked about out of uh, Maryland, uh, I believe. 
Well, because there's some chatter he might even prefer tight end. I mean, so I think there's uh, uh, I, there's some questions there of where's he at in in the love of the of the game of football because he's a very talented track athlete and obviously I think he'll end up being an NFL draft pick. Uh, but look, there's some chatter early in the season that he might actually prefer offense playing tight end. Uh, so we we shall see on that. I mean, uh, look, he's a guy who's talented enough to play anywhere for anybody. Um, but I do think there were some questions there about football versus track. Uh, is he committed to the edge position where everybody thinks he just has an unbelievable upside versus wanting to play tight end? And yeah, I, why didn't why didn't Texas go after him? I mean, is it because I mean everybody and their dog went after him basically, and so getting getting through the noise and actually connecting with a guy, it's kind of hit or miss. Well, I, I think if if Harbors has more interest in playing tight end, then Texas already was on their guy Deuce Robinson. I think it's pretty much as simple as that. Um, if he was playing edge, look, if he wanted to play edge, I don't have that answer on why Texas didn't go after him. Uh, they contacted him. I know there was contact, but there was a reason after conversations why they didn't go after him. Yeah, it's got to be reciprocated, <clears throat> right? I mean, that's that's the bottom line. You and I both see this in this in this industry. Uh, you know, it's it's not a one way street. It's not like Texas didn't put the the line in the water. The the fish right. just didn't bite, you know, and, and that, yeah. that happens. Uh, another question, uh, Ian, and, and you and uh, Jerry can both talk about this one. Which Big 12 opponent had a good class that fits their needs going into the 2023 season? Uh, and this is from Freelance Society. He says, oh, you, I'm sure I would concur with that uh, with that uh, discussion. Although I think that OU has still got some work itself to do in the portal as well, uh, Jerry. Yeah, you know I'm going. I'm, I'm looking at Texas Tech a little bit too. Uh, Texas Tech had a athletic class of long arm guys. Um, you know Jordan Sanford, uh, the corner out of Mansfield Timberview High School, teammate of Andre Kojo. TCU and Texas Tech battled till the end on that. I mean TCU at one point thought they were going to get him. Um, you look at the uh, Isaiah Crawford, the the four star um, edge out of Post Small School, Texas. Uh, Dylan Spencer, the flip, uh, Anquan Willis from Ryder linebacker. I know Texas Tech loves him. Ansel in the door, who if he had had interest in staying home, he might be in the Texas class. He just didn't have interest in that. But they have a number of talented defensive linemen in this class. Uh, I think they've done really well at wide receiver. And at corner, remember the name Macho Stevenson out of Captain Treve. I saw him last year when I went to see Kendrick Law. Macho Stevenson uh, was a maybe an Olymp, future Olympian in the 200 or 400. That's the way he was talked about at Captain Treve. But now he's kind of has a renewed interest in being a uh, uh, given football his best shot while he runs track in college. So I, I think Texas Tech actually they got a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, and interior and on the edge. I think they did well in the secondary with playmakers and speed guys. I think they did well at wide receiver. So looking forward for them in the Big 12, I think they filled a lot of needs in a really good way. Um, uh, Ian, take t take on Oklahoma's class a little bit. Obviously highlighted uh, by uh, the uh, two main players in, from Denton Geyer, Peyton Bowen and uh, Jackson Arnold, the quarterback Bowen, the the safety that committed to Oregon on signing day, which was a flip from Notre Dame, but then the day did not send his LOI in or NLI, excuse me, national letter of intent in and signed with NIL Oklahoma on Thursday. Yeah. Um, 
I think I think Bowen is a phenomenal player. Yes. I think he's a phenom day one potential starter for them. I, I don't know that Arnold is uh, in that same category because you got Dylan Gabriel most likely coming back next year uh, with a lot of experience. Um, after after OU though, um, you know I, I don't know about the, the Big Twelve. Ian, do you have anything you want to say specifically about OU's class? Well, I got three things here. I think OU's class is a little bit. Kind of reminds me of some of those Herman classes that were really highly ranked, where uh, some people call them seven-on-seven teams. That Oklahoma is not that. It's not a seven-on-seven team, but they have a lot of really fast linebackers and safeties in there. And uh, that just only gets you so far. They didn't do as well on defensive line as they would have liked. Their offensive line doesn't look like it used to under Lincoln Riley. It's uh, a little lower rated, a little more, you know, guys that they're going to train up for a few years. So I, I don't know that I don't know that OU's I I don't know that OU's is quite as imposing as it looks, but it's I mean it's not bad. It's definitely good. I would also highlight TCU. TCU got a number of pretty highly ranked defensive linemen, which is a really big deal for a school in the Big Twelve. That's like that's like the hardest thing for a Big Twelve school to do is to get really good defensive linemen. I mean, for anyone. But And TCU did a pretty good job. But ultimately, I mean, for 2023, you win the Big 12 with the portal. The Big 12 is a portal league now. You're not going to get the big-time kids out of high school as much at most of these schools, except for Texas and Oklahoma. You got Yeah, TCU did well in the portal. You got to get the kids that are looking for a second chance or who want to upgrade from G5 or FCS. That's how Kansas State won it. That's how TCU made it to the playoffs. So uh, signing day, I don't know that signing day matters quite as much like it used to in the Big 12. It's more about can you hang on to your stars without getting poached and how well how well can you recruit and scout the portal? Yeah, I, I think that's all fair. Um, I, I, I'd add some other, other well, comments. Hey, we, hey we, should, we, should, we should mention this real quick, Bobby. To that point, JoJo Earl and Jack Beck, out of the portal, the TCU wide receiver. I mean, you put those guys with Jordan Hudson and, you know, they don't have a Quentin Johnson, but they, they may not have that big of a drop-off. Then obviously Tommy Brockermeyer, if he's healthy, he's a starter at tackle for TCU. And Avery Helm, the, the, the transfer from Florida, he may be a starter at corner. So we talk about getting starters out of the portal all the time from the Texas side, but I think TCU got three or four. But you just don't know if Tommy's ever going to be healthy. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Um you know, I, the other thing I want to say is this, uh, as it relates to some of this stuff, and, and that is you also got to look at the teams that didn't necessarily do as well as they had hoped. Oh, yeah. And Who's on the slide? There's two. And I and yeah. I mentioned that in today this morning's article on InsideTexas.com. I think Baylor, uh, yes. the, the loss of Austin Novosad at, at the last minute just kicked them in the you-know-whats. Um, they uh, – they they were relying on that. I don't know that they have another scholarship quarterback ready to go. Right. Um, and so they're gonna they're gonna be it's gonna be they're gonna be hard to get a starter out of the portal when they have a incumbent returning at quarterback. So what do you try to do at Baylor? You try to get a younger guy, you try to get an older guy. I mean, do you go JUCO even and look for the the uh, you know a, a guy in JUCO that that can get you there? But uh you know, I just felt like Baylor was was not as good as it, it has been in the past. 
And certainly a year after winning the Big 12, um, you would have thought they would have done more with that class. Um, hey, uh, other schools in the Big 12, how you think they did? Thought Kansas State had another nice class. They were interesting. KU actually did pretty decent. Uh, so just uh, be aware of those kind of guys. Oklahoma State, I thought, uh, again, not it's a typical Gundy class, um, in, in my opinion. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Hey, uh, Jerry, uh, we talked about Jihad Carter, uh, the safety out of Syracuse that Texas has shown interest in. Uh, is Texas, uh, Mike Thompson here is asking, is Texas looking at Sam McCall, the safety from Florida State in the portal? I have not that I've heard. That's not a name I've heard come up. I don't know if you have, Bobby, but I have not. No, I, I haven't heard that one either. Uh, but you know what? I haven't checked in in 24 hours. <laughs> uh, but I don't think uh, I don't think at this point uh, Texas is focused on guys that they believe and, and feel certain would be either surefire starters or upgrades over existing starters. Uh, and I don't know Sam McCall very well, so I couldn't say that. But I do think that they feel very strongly uh, about Jihad Carter at this point. Yeah. Um, Ian, uh, is there any, uh, from Praxium, is there any idea when the Big 12 schedule will be released? I don't know. Is, isn't, aren't they bringing in the four schools this year? For yes, they are. Yes. So the last I had heard was something like um, they may not do round robin anymore, which, right? They well, can. they can't with 14 schools. So I don't know how they uh, I don't know how they even divvy the schedule up. I don't know if they do. Um, man, maybe one of us should look this up real quick. I th I thought that they'd had like an early look, and, and the expectation was probably that Texas was going to get a pretty bad deal and have to go to like Cincinnati and Provo or something like that. Um, maybe the Cincinnati wouldn't be so bad since their coach is gone, but. Uh, that's a great question, and I'm uh, you caught me on the wrong foot. I don't know. I don't have a great answer for him. I, I've got to say this real quick. Our our our. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I don't. I don't think that anybody knows yet. Uh, Brett Yormark, the uh, Big Twelve commissioner, has not uh, went out there and done that. Uh, I'm sure they're trying to make it into a, a big uh, announcement, uh, and that's why we haven't really heard anything of yet. It will not be around Robin. Obviously, uh, the question I have is. You know, does Texas go to Houston and Texas Tech one last time? Uh, yeah. You know, things that Longhorn athletic director, department personnel have said, no, we're not doing that uh, over our dead body type stuff. Uh, previously, uh, Tech after last year, but University of Houston after something that happened, in I think, in the uh, early 2000s uh, with a, a stadium uh, reassignment issue for seating. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly how the Longhorns are treated as they're shown the door. Uh, one of the great well, things. Of, one of go ahead. Did y'all notice that uh, our guy Donovan Smith transferred to Houston? So he'll yeah. surely be their starting quarterback next year. Well, if Toon's not back, as as, as Clayton Toon said, he's definitely leaving. Uh, you know, I don't know. I assumed he was out of eligibility. I think with COVID, you can't say that about anybody anymore. <laughs> there's guys, there's guys graduating high school in 2017 that are still going to be eligible uh, this year. Hey, I, I want to say this real quick uh, for folks um, uh, that uh, that uh, don't follow this. Our producer is a guy named Matt Hutchison. Uh, he is a great uh, guy behind the scenes that does a lot of work for us. 
we appreciate him very much. Uh, that being said, he is a Florida State fan through and through. Uh, so forgive him for that. But he just told me via text that Sam McCall would not be an upgrade for anybody at Texas. And that's his take on a Florida State player in the uh, in the portal uh, at this point. All right, uh, good. Look at this. This kills me. I've been to McAllen, I don't know, 20 times in my life. I've been there more times. More times has it been over 100 in McAllen than I've been there than not. Uh, 34 degrees this morning uh, in McAllen, Texas. Holy cow. Um, hey, Jerry, uh, let's talk about uh, a guy that you and I have talked about multiple times, uh, but that is um, uh, David Hicks. He signed with A&M. Uh, there's a question here about why didn't Texas – go after him it's yeah. it's that they did right i mean 100 did yeah so i mean bo, bo davis was at the school the week before the final visit weekend just to hear one more time yay or nay uh so texas tried to recruit him all the way through you know when i went uh, through Peyto late in the season before the last regular season game um i was talking to hicks's father who's now the head coach at Peyto, uh which something to note with hicks signing with AM. but um uh, you know, he told me that David just li liked the smaller college town environment. He said that is one thing aside from football that his son really took into account. And that's why Eugene, that's why College Station, that's why Norman, he thought were all fits for him as personality as a kid, smaller environment. So some of the things lost nowadays um, with five-star recruits and going to the Blue Blood programs and um, NIL and all that is, you know, there are still some uh, some factors that come into play here where kids feel comfortable at some schools versus the other. And when you look at the three schools it came down to for him, they were all smaller environments than Austin, Texas. Got it. I want to ask you a little bit more of that. We're going to, we got a follow on question from Joel McWaters that, that I think is uh, uh, germane to that discussion. Uh, real quick for our sponsor uh, for our uh, Friday live stream is always Andy Ludicky of myperfectfranchise.net. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Start 2023 off right. Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Fin franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or call him 404 973 9901. Hey, hey, Jerry, let me ask you this. This is a good question. How often does a recruit, and this is from Joel McWhorters, how often does a recruit tell you why they don't choose a school? Like David Hicks, you just said he liked the smaller atmosphere. You can infer from that that he didn't like the big city atmosphere, or I don't know if Austin's quote unquote a big city really, but you, you get my point. It's definitely a, a million plus metropolitan area. Um, how often do they tell you why they don't choose a school? A lot of times after the letter of intent signed, if you reach back out, you know, sometimes you'll hear from, you know, family member, maybe teammates, um, maybe some, maybe some on the college side, kind of some of the things behind the scenes with the recruitment that aren't talked about in, the, in interviews or when you go visit schools or whatnot. Um, and that's the main thing is if you kind of really want to know, it's after a letter of intent signed when you get a lot of really good answers. Uh, of course, at that point, it doesn't really matter to uh, the inside Texas crowd. Right. But uh, from my point of view, you know, 
if it's a recruitment I was really close to, I'll go back and check in and say, okay, why why this school over that school? What what made this school not the one for you? So yeah, but it's normally after letter of intent sign um, and after the dust settles, let's say. All right. All right. Another question here uh, from Ryan Phelan. Are recruits truly ever a package deal? Many times, two blue chips, uh, we're talking about, uh, and he puts in parentheses, uh, DeAndre Moore and Peyton Woodyard uh, out of St. John Bosico will say they are a deal, but find it rare to ever come to fruition. Um, let me take this one, guys, because I've, I've been in the recruiting business for 25, 30 years almost now. Um, they are very real. That there are package package deals that that absolutely are legitimate. A lot of them that are legitimate, in my opinion, end up being brothers, though. The Tommy Brockemeyer and and uh, James Brockemeyer, for example, uh, those tend to be re- very real, or their teammates. It is abnormal if they're from two different high school teams. Is where I would I would uh, say the trend gets bucked. Uh, and so when they start talking about uh, a quarterback and a wide receiver being a package deal and they live two states over, that doesn't, that's not really a package deal to me. Um, Bobby, so- let's think about this. Matt Brown era to now, how many package deals at Texas can we remember? Stevie Lee and Philip Geiger? That's about it, right? Oh, I'm sure there's been more since then. Well, <clears throat> there's another kind of package deal that's really common, and it's not two blue chips, but one blue chip. And then his yeah. teammate, like yeah. you know, Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. I think the Foreman brothers really. Uh, Deontay ended up being there the, the better one. That was. I don't think that was expected. Whatever they'll tell you. Well, I will. I will tell you. I was at the camp where Deontay Foreman got his uh, scholarship offer um, from Texas, and they did not consider that the cow on the calf situation after that. After that. Uh, uh, after that uh, workout, they went, they went all in on Deontay, Deontay Foreman because he showed up at 5'10", 5'11", whatever, six foot, whatever he was, and he was rocked up and ran 4'5", 2", and 4'5", 3", and they were like, mm, I don't know what everybody else is seeing, but we're going on him. So I, I agree, though. That's a, that's a brother combo, right, um, Ian? That, that I was kind of speaking of, too. So, so Ian brought up the other one, which was uh, Brenham. I mean, those are the only two I can think of. Um, and Ian thought of one of them. I mean, so if that's really all we're at that aren't brothers, you're talking about two and 20-something years at this point at, at the University of Texas. Now, now, here's the other package deals, though. Let's just it's say not, I got a new one for you. To Celia Khan and his sister. <laughs> package deal maybe we're thinking we got to stop thinking just in terms of football because that is a package deal let's be real yeah um but, hey let's uh, specifically malik, malik and deandre and deandre mcneil out yep. of uh, Petit. there you go there they you go stick, but uh they were actually both blue chips and they were teammates yep, yep. good one malik jefferson i feel um, like it uh, pretty often at texas the uh, the guys uh, that they're mentioned uh, that Ryan mentions specifically here, one is already signed with Texas. That's DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver out of St. John Bosco. His high school teammate Pey- uh, Peyton Woodyard uh, is expected to announce his decision. He's a 2024 recruitment though, so he's a year out. So I don't know if those are you know I haven't even thought about package deals over multiple years. Uh, they are the same high school though, yeah. uh, and they are both blue chip guys. 
Uh, Woodyard is a top. I don't. I don't know his exact ranking, but he's a top 100 guy. Top 35. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's a he's a major player. Yes. Um, and so we look at that, and that's that's possible. I don't know if they necessarily have deigned to be uh, pack a package deal. He, uh, Woodyard does uh, or is expected to announce, I believe, his college decision uh, coming up at the arm or at the uh, All American game on January seventh. Uh, not unlike um, uh, not unlike some others uh, that will do that, including Jelani McDonald, uh, the Texas uh, uh, safety from Waco. Uh, who signed his letter of intent with someone on Wednesday, but is not announcing that uh, until January 7th. We are uh, obviously uh, tracking that uh, and we'll uh, be reporting on that and be down in San Antonio as well. Somebody just said Marcus and Michael Griffin. Marcus Griffin was a walk-on though. Yeah. He was not a, a, a scholarship player. Ended by, up being a scholarship player, but. Hey, by the way, the Peyton Woodyard, let's, so the fans that aren't familiar with him, because they aren't. Uh, we want to we want to point out one thing. He's a 2024. So occasionally, one of those kids that's going to play in the Adidas All America game or the Under Armour game, they'll go ahead and announce it, it, those games, even though they're not part of the game. So that's kind of where, where Bob, what Bobby's talking about there. He's a 2024 and one of the top two safeties in the country. Isn't there yeah. a St. John? His dad's, his, dad's a de- his dad's a deputy chief at LAPD, by the way. Oh, this is the guy. Yeah, I was about to say, wasn't there a St. John Bosco guy that they were? It could be a, a package with um, more, but y'all are ahead of me. Yep, that's what we're talking about. Oh, yep. interesting. This one, the DeVernay brothers. Yep. There you go. That's that's a legitimate one. There but again, go. brothers. Yeah. Arts and Will Randall. No, that's, <laughs> uh, that's they weren't a package deal though. I mean, Arch yeah. made that decision on his own. Yeah, yeah, but Randall Randall probably doesn't come to Texas if they're not after Arch. Not that he's not a good player worthy of a Texas offer, but of all the tight ends they were going to chase in the country, they chased Arch Manning's teammate because he was Arch Manning's teammate, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know that that I, – I hear what you're saying, uh, but my point there would be I don't think that's the prototypical – when someone says a package deal, I don't think that's the prototypical. Now, now Bryce, Bryce – now, does Peyton Bowen and his girlfriend count? Oh, oh, Jerry's Jerry's adding in all the females here. I mean, well, look, Bryce Bryce Cottrell decommitted from Oregon with the Texas. Part of the reason was, look, his girlfriend was a soccer player at Texas. I mean, it, you know, so there, there are different package deals. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, you know what? I'm going to say this and, and agree with it, Jerry. Mac Brown's first recruiting class to oh, Texas well, City. Uh, Played for Rusty Dowling down at Texas. Texas City High School, Everett Rawls, Jermaine Anderson, uh, Irvis Hill, and oh, join. I, I want to say last name Joiner. Tyrone Jones. Tyrone Jones, the other linebacker. Uh, those four all signed with Texas, and they absolutely were a package deal. Yeah. Uh, that was a big hit for uh, Mac Brown, and I think added a lot of depth to Mac Brown's early classes and a lot of. They had all those guys had a little dog in them. Yeah. Uh, if you know what I mean, they they weren't they weren't there to just play around. Uh, Jerry, we're we're going to keep going here and talk a little bit more about some other stuff. Um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, uh, and that has been brought up on Inside Texas, taking this from the Inside Texas message board right now, um, is the loss of Chris Gilbert, uh, the former off-field assist, assistant, uh, former head coach at Lancaster, took a personnel job at Texas, uh, and is now moving on 
to North Texas as an on-field assistant. Do you know or can you think of where uh, a guy like uh, like where Steve Sarkeesian might go for uh, Chris Gilbert's replacement? And how, how hard will it be to replace him? Uh, I think Chris Gilbert did great work, um, obviously. And I think it helped the staff at the right time. I think Jeff Banks, that was his idea. That was a great idea. Um, do I think he's replaceable? I do. I, I, you know, and that's not anything negative on Coach Gilbert. I've known him for years. He's, he was great at what he did. Uh, but look, recruiting's changed a lot nowadays. Um, but he helped get he helped bridge the gap with this staff. You know, where they would go for that, I don't know. Is there the start maybe look more to Houston for somebody right now? I don't know. I would stay in Dallas. I'll tell you who I've been impressed with is Ray Gates, the head coach at North Crowley. It could be a younger uh, version of Chris Gilbert. Um, you know, he's a – he would – now, he would relish the job. He's a University of Texas fan, and I'm talking a big fan. He's from Shiner um, High. He has a – he's built up a lot of connections uh, in Texas in the DFW area. So, if they're looking that way, that might be a potential guy to look at, you know. I've, you know, I've thought in the Houston area, there's nobody that really jumps out to me in the Houston area right now. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's a tougher one for me. I mean, maybe there's somebody I'm not thinking about, uh, but I, I think the position itself, Texas will fill with the correct guy. Um, and here's the, I think the important thing about that position though, Chris Gilbert wanted to get into on the field coaching. And I think that motivates those guys in that position. I don't think you want a lifer in that position. That's the one thing I'll say. I think you want a guy that has an upward trajectory as a coach in his thinking uh, because those guys are going to really bust it uh, knowing that if they're part of a University of Texas recruiting players, then they eventually end up on the field. That Brian Carrington now at Arizona State, Chris Gilbert now uh, at North Texas, and, you know, Neither one of those guys were going to be lifers in that position. That's the big thing for me. You do not want a lifer. You want somebody that's driven to go coach on the field because help being big in the recruiting process at the University of Texas will get you one of those jobs. I once had a college assistant coach who's an offensive coordinator said, just learn some drills, man. <laughs> if you can you recruit. Know, you know what I think is interesting about that as you, as you mentioned that? Those guys are different necessarily than your evaluation staff. Right. I think it's important that you have some consistency and longevity in your evaluation staff. But the guys that are talking to recruits, um, I, I think that you're right. Those guys are there's going to be more turnover because they're looking to they're not looking to be evaluators as a lifeline or as a, a lifetime uh, sort of situation. They're looking uh, more for that next move in the uh, uh, on the ladder uh, of their career. Um, Ian, asking you this one, uh, Jay Fry. Uh, asks us which one of these linebacker kids coming in shows the most quote unquote linebacker promise. Does that mean like traditional off ball linebacker? That's what I, that's what I think. I think they, I think they're talking about the guy that's the, Jaylen Ford. Oh, the, 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 the guy from um, Mason, Mason. No, what's his, the, the linebacker that was at uh, Oklahoma state last year. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. No, not Mason Cobb. The oh, one. Malcolm Rodriguez, yeah. Yeah, I think when they talk about – when I think of a linebacker, I'm thinking not of Anthony Hill necessarily, who's this six foot 200, 6'2", 230-pound 
specimen as much as I am a guy that's six foot 210 or 215 that is going to go find the ball. I, but which one of those guys <laughs> thinking uh, of Burrell, Leon LA, Lafau, uh, uh, maybe even a Jelani McDonald, if you want to throw him in there, if he signs with Texas, uh, which one of those guys? I, I think I would say LaFowl. Um Samaje Burrell has really got the right frame and skill set for it. Uh, didn't he miss much of his senior year with injuries? Am I no? No, no. He 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 played all year. Anthony Hill missed uh, half the season. Anthony Hill did. Anthony Hill got a lot of reps though at inside linebacker yes. from sophomore and junior year. Um, so he's actually way ahead of the curve there for what, what's normal for an athlete of his specs. Uh, I just don't know for sure if he'll stay there or not. So I don't know. I, I kind of want to review Burrell's senior film, but LaFowle has got a lot of traditional linebacker skills and attributes. He's just, he's just exactly the, the type, you know, he, um, and he's got definitely some, some untapped upside as he gets a little bigger, but Burrell, Burrell may be the better choice just because I think he might be a little more explosive in, as an athlete. And so when he catches up to LaFowle and some of the technical aspects, he may end up having a, a higher ceiling. But it's tricky because it's a position where sometimes your ceiling comes from your your uh, mental attributes more so than your physical skills. It's like how, you know, how much better you can get at processing live so that you know how to get to the right spots. That upside is is hard to evaluate, but a lot of times it matters more at that position than does it's easy to say to see the fast guy and say, well, once the fast guy knows where to go, he'll get there faster. But sometimes the guy that knows what's up, his upside in getting to the right spots is actually better because he's got the better processing upside, if that makes sense. He's got the, the better CPU unit guiding him. Jerry, what are your thoughts on who who's the, the true <laughs> linebacker in your you know, opinion in this group? I thought they signed – I think all three of those guys are. That's what's impressive about the linebacker class. I mean, I think Anthony Hill has versatility. But I think Hill or Burrell can play in the middle. They can call a defense. They can diagnose. Um, I think Burrell is going to be really, really good, guys. I, You know, he's going to be six foot 235, running the four fives. He's got long enough arms. Um, he is – I mean, he threw out a 4-2 laser shuttle at 215 pounds in March of 2022 – his movement skills are really explosive. I think he's really good in, in space as well, dropping in the coverage. You know, I, I'm a big fan of his, but I think this is the first class I look at and think Texas did a good job getting instinctual linebackers and more than one of them. And I think that's the strength of this class. I mean, the one guy who's not there is Darian Gillette that you say, okay, he has the farthest to go, right? Because he's played quarterback, receiver, safety, whatever, edge, linebacker to small school. So you almost got to throw him out. You know, Anthony Hill's played big-time football. Samaje Burrell's played big-time football, and those guys have played in the middle. They've made calls. Uh, Leon LaFowle, I think, is really good in space and in coverage. So that, those are instinctive things. I think they have three really high-level linebacker prospects here. And you know the way the game works, guys. If Texas hits on two of these three, then they're in business at linebacker. I really, mm -hmm. really – you hit on something just there. I really, really like LaFowle and coverage. He's good. A, a lot of guys try to backpedal in coverage at, at linebacker. He turns like a center fielder in baseball turns to chase a ball. That was the difference between, frankly, all of the other linebackers. I, 
I mean, Jalen Ford did that better than DeMarvian Overshone. Yep. Just to give you a, a, a sense, the, the ability to turn as opposed to just back shuffle, it, it, it gives your body more chance to make plays and get in the passing lanes, uh, and particularly deeper in play. Hey, uh, I want to talk a little basketball uh, for a second. Uh, <laughs> first of all, Jay, the activist asked, says package deals are more common in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to let you take that, but but I want to talk about basketball in general. Texas still uh, without its head coach, uh, Chris Beard, at this point. He is uh, uh, indefinitely suspended. Um, I don't know uh, and have been asked multiple times, uh, both publicly and privately, what's going on there and do we know when or if there's going to be an ultimate determination. I have not been given a timeline or a deadline. Uh, I have spoken with others uh, like Jerry and and other folks. The general consensus is we expect a decision of some sort before Texas enters Big 12 play. Which is December 31st. Yeah. And so could it be this Friday? Could it be today sometime? Could it be a week from now when, you know, there's a news dump and stuff happens? I don't know what. Texas's PR strategy is or might be or what the actual outcome is at this point. Uh, but good, it's, right? it's something that we've got to bring up and is, is worth bringing up. What were you saying, Ian? If, if they're to me, the faster they come to a decision, which that feels a little faster, probably y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but the worse that sounds for Chris Beard. Right. I, I think they're two, two weeks into it. Um, and so I don't know that I, I think anything's on the table at this point is my uh, estimate, Agreed. my estimation, uh, to be honest with you, Ian. And by the way, uh, package deals more common in basketball. I mean, yeah, yeah, because the AAU shoe factor, the Nike factor, the Adidas factor, I almost think the shoe companies are more of the package deal than the actual players are <laughs> i hate to, i don't know any other way to say it no, I mean, they, they go to they go to the same high school tournaments on these like i mean look there are the seven on seven there are football tournaments they go across the country on and all this right. other stuff they're not as tight as the basketball guys no who go to 15 tournaments right together and right. you know and, and let's and let's be real there's there will never be in seven on seven football look and i, I do think some things have played into recruiting uh, in recent years, but there's never going to be a return on investment like guys going to a Nike school or an Adidas school and then signing their endorsement deals with Adidas or Nike. It's just not going to happen in football. That that's because kids aren't wearing cleats out that's to right. dance. They're and not wearing, they're not wearing cool. cleats at Friendswood High School for first period. It's never yeah. going to happen. <laughs> exactly. If it is, that dude may be the ultimate dog of a player. Hey, I, I like this question uh, from Sico de Mayor. Not Mayo, but Mayor. Mayor. Um, what is the general sentiment about Sark and the Texas staff among Texas high school coaches? Jerry, you're out and about. We see you in your car all the time. What What is there? Is there a a general thought process and, and feeling on on Coach Sark? I think everybody likes Coach Sark because he's a genuine guy. They feel like they're having a real conversation, not BS. Uh, so that obviously hurt the last Texas coach. Um, I'm going to tell you guys a story that was very interesting to me is um, high school coach. I've known for a long time. My dad actually coached him in high school. I was sitting in his office, not for this reason, um, late last spring. And we're just sitting down talking and we always talk recruiting. 
and he and I'm not going to name the first coach he said, but he said, you know, I had all five, six head coaches roll through uh, looking at the kids they have in the program. And there was one coach that came in, an offensive minded coach. It was getting a lot of hype. And he said, I didn't learn anything from our conversation. We had a good conversation, but I do not feel like I learned a thing about offensive football. He said, when Sark came in, we had a great conversation and I learned something from that conversation. And I think more than a guy coming in and just recruiting the, giving the speech and recruiting the player. If you get into a real conversation like that and those coaches feel like, man, that made me a little better coach. If I'm an offensive guy, if I'm a passing guy within my scheme. And that stood out to me because this guy's won a lot of games. He's been coaching 30, more than 30 years as a head coach. And when he said that, that was kind of one of those you kind of check a box. So I, I think Sark, the feeling is he's a real, genuine guy. And I think that's what matters more than anything in recruiting. But then if you can add in the element of when you get in the little chalk talk, that those guys walk away feeling, all right, that was worth my time. I think he's very popular with high school coaches in Texas. Well, I think that that the other piece on that is you talk about genuineness uh, or authenticity. Um, my take on that, Jerry, is in the day and age of the portal. Mm-hmm. Oof. Tom Herman, I, I don't even – what would there have been anybody left uh, <laughs> if the portal was, like, officially open back in those days? I mean, I know it was getting open and starting in that direction, but, geez. Well, I, I, mean, I can he, I, I'm not trying to be rude, but Tom Herman was so unliked by his team. I'm not, I mean, I'm not, they would allow, I think it's possible they lost half the, half the roster if they didn't want degrees from Texas. Well, I, I one, and I'm not throwing anybody under a bus. Y'all know me, that, uh, but he, he would, he sat in a high school coach's office his second year at Texas. And you know how they give you the prospect sheets just to look at through a conversation he never looked at it. He set it on the desk, and when he, it was time to leave, he got up and walked away. That's a cardinal sin with a Texas high school coach. You don't go kick your feet up and talk to those guys. They offer you information. You leave it on the desk. You get up and walk away. Not at the program he did it at. I'm just here to tell you that was a mistake in recruiting, and that is the opposite of Mac Brown, okay? <laughs> well, I, hey, look, I, I don't want to down Tom Herman because he got a new job. Right. And we wish him well. I mean, we really do. I don't want to, we want to see people come back when they, after they have a, a, a bad experience or, or we want to see them uh, pick themselves up off the floor uh, and, and what they can do. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. We got a couple more questions we're going to get to in this uh, hour long live stream. I want to say thank you to our sponsor again, Andy Ludicky, uh, uh with myperfectfranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. For something new in 2023, call or email Andy. He's got a really cool process to try to identify businesses that fit your needs. I did it myself, Andy, at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Hey, Jerry, uh, and thank you to Andy uh, this season for his uh, ongoing support of On Texas Football and Inside Texas. Um, Jerry, I had this question for you. Uh, you know this specifically. What went wrong with the recruitment of Peyton Bowen? One national recruiting guy said Wednesday that something happened on his junior visit. Uh, I know you don't want to, you know, to again throw people under the bus, but uh, in general, what happened? Yeah, I think uh, a highly a lot of times when you're a very highly ranked prospect, you're not going to work out of the camp. 
very rare. Um, especially if they, a school tries to make you work out at that camp without you knowing after you drive down there. And I think that did not sit well. I'll leave it at that. Got it. All right. That's fair. Um, Justin Yarbrough asks, what position do we look to in the 24 class and what are some young guys on the, or who are some of the young guys on the roster that have redshirted? We could see some good things from in the future. I think, and I'm just going to say this and cut you on this. Some of those defensive ends, the Bledsoe tap, Chris Ross guys, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, position uh, looking, look to in the 24 class, I think interior defensive line, and it's going to be a national search. Um, they want big bodies. They want large humans. And those really aren't in the state of Texas in 2024 right now. Could that change in the spring? Maybe, but those guys are generally already there. Um, you know, the edge guys, Colin Simmons, one of the best in the country. Uh, so that that's one that Texas, that's one of those must have recruits. You know, it's not a great, not that there aren't going to be future NFL offensive linemen out of Texas in the 24 class, but it's not the level of depth that what has been. So outside of Daniel Cruz, there's a lot to prove for guys. There's some really talented guys, Michael Uini, Bennett Warren at Fort Bend Christian. It'll be interesting to see where Texas goes in state. Uh, because they, if they get Daniel Cruz, you can't just take one. If you take four, you can't just take one in-state guy. I think that'll be interesting. I think that the corners, safeties, defensive backs are really good. Wide receivers really good every year in Texas. Uh, so, uh, But if I'm looking at I'm looking D-tackle nationally. Um, I think tight end will be interesting. If they don't get Deuce Robinson, where do they go for that tight end that Ewan was talking about earlier? Because they do need that in the 24 class. And I think that's more going to be a national search as well right now, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's a quality class in state in 24. It's not a 2022 class that was just special where they have loads of guys at every position. I mean, it's not like that in Texas right now in 2024. There'll be some guys pop up. Uh, Ian, you have any red shirt guys you're really looking forward to right now? Definitely those tackles that you mentioned or prospective tackles, right? Ross and Bledsoe. Um I'm trying to remember which offensive lineman ended up getting redshirted. I think Connor Robertson seems like he's going to be an important piece with Junior Angelau and Logan Parr both transferring out. As second um, team center. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, NATO, I think, yeah, got a redshirt. I think NATO would be the other big one. NATO is potentially your backup left tackle next year. Um, maybe it's starting right tackle. Sounds like they're going to move Hayden Connor out to right tackle. I kind of thought they might because he looked pretty comfortable there last spring at left tackle. But um, yeah, so NATO, NATO is figures to be, you know, he was, he was one of the more, I thought he really caught my eye for athleticism out of high school and he just needed to get a little bigger. And um, you know, a year later, here we are. And then uh, I don't know about, you know, just Allen from Alito, your, your safety linebacker. Yeah. Just what's going on with him? I don't know if he's going to have a big impact next year, but I think that his trajectory is going to be really, really interesting to watch this spring. So, uh, but a lot of these guys didn't redshirt, you know, like Ethan Burke and Jamon Tapp are two big names there. I, I think Jamon Tapp did redshirt, but Burke, yeah. I, I, Burke, I think got too many games. He did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think those are good answers. Uh, 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 Ian, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm thinking Jamon Tapp. That was the first name that came to my head uh, just because the coaches have been really high on him in these bowl practices. Eric Nalene, our publisher, uh, 
at Inside Texas talking about that. Hey, uh, uh, Jerry. By the way, Sark mentioned him in his press conference. Too, that's right. yeah, yeah, I mean, um, any update on Dylan DeSue's knee? I want to say this. Real, I, I did talk to somebody this morning. They, they're saying that they don't think there's any structural damage. Right. So they, they think he's okay. Let's – with knees, man, I especially if you've had an issue before, it is wait and see how it goes and develops over, over time because there could be small stuff in there that you just don't know. Um, I will say this uh, as it relates to basketball also. Hey, that, that went over Louisiana. I know they're not very good, right? Uh, but they were 10-1 and one heading into that. Right. Game. I mean, Texas beat the crap out of them. Well, look, here's the deal with Texas basketball this year. If they shoot the three well, they are very difficult to beat because – you know, if they if they get one in the one of those games, you, it's easy set for any team, but it, it's not it's different because Texas has more guys that do do stuff off the bounce. So if they have a game where they hit forty plus percent from three, they become really difficult to guard, uh, and that's the thing. But the, for that to happen, the ball's got to keep moving. You know, I think they got into a stretch with the Illinois game. Rice game. And look, I appreciate Marcus Carr's lost 20 pounds. He's playing his butt off both ends of the court. He's made big shots, but you can't pound the basketball. That's not what's going to take Texas where they want to go this this year. They have to keep the ball moving. Texas has had two guards that could pound the basketball and, and, and work a game. And that was TJ Ford and DJ Augustine. And they don't have that. Tyrese Hunter's a really good player, but those guys were special doing this to close out games. You can't do that on this Texas team and close out games. It's not going to work in the Big Twelve. So the ball keeps moving. You're going to get more. You're going to get better pocket catches for three in flow. They're going to shoot the ball better because they don't have JJ Redick or those dead eye guys. So to shoot the ball really well consistently, the ball's got to be popping. Everybody's got to be ready to shoot all the time. Not watching somebody pound this ball for 20 seconds. It's not going to work. I tell you what. I, the thing that I when I I'm obviously I'm I prefer I'm a football guy right I mean I, that's what I love to watch and, and uh, talk about the most but when I watch this Texas basketball team I am intrigued by their mix of athleticism along with skill like they have some highly skilled yeah. upperclassmen Marcus Carr as an off-ball guard I think he's pretty darn skilled good good yes. shooter uh, Brock Cunningham I call him he's a skilled glue guy you know yes. what I mean uh, Christian Bishop around the rim and just kind of working his body to get shots off. Uh, you know, there's Timmy Allen is more of that, you know, moxie type of player. But when you add in Arterio Morris and Dylan Mitchell and even Alex, I can't say his last name. Anamakwa. Yep. Yeah. When you add those three guys in, those three guys are all superior athletes. Mm-hmm. And when they come off the bench, it's, I mean, Mitchell obviously starts, but it's a different kind of, I'm out, I'll sit there and watch the press when they press. I mean, they're, it's pretty impressive group because I just feel like it's a great mix of basketball acumen with basketball athleticism. That's just mm -hmm. elite. Uh, yeah. Right. All right. Uh, we've got one time, time for one more question here. I'm trying to find one that I think uh, we will uh, talk about here. You know what? Let's talk about the bowl practices and who's looking good. Xavier Delgado has a question. Who is standing out in bowl practices right now? Jerry, you mentioned um, uh, Jamon Tapp. You heard Steve Sarkeesian. Any other names you guys are hearing? Obviously, Brooks. Yeah. 
Jonathan Brooks, right? Yeah, Brooks. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Big could be his coming out party. If, if Texas wins, there's a good chance that Brooks is the headline. Jerry, you have any? Uh, no, that's a uh, pretty. I, I know they love the young offensive linemen, the guys that didn't see the field this year: Ogbo, Nato, Connor Robertson. I mean, look, Connor Robertson was technically the number two center all season. Jake Majors just didn't get hurt, so you didn't see him come in and be the one. Uh, but I know they continue to love the young offensive linemen and uh, very, con- very excited about that group of guys. You, you know, it'll be interesting. And I want to mention one more name that got mentioned by Sark is and. Uh, is Xavier, I think, got mentioned by Sark. Bryce. Bryce. Xavier Bryce. Interesting. Uh, and we'll, we'll see what they do with Austin Jordan this year as well, whether he stays at corner, moves to nickel, goes to safety. Uh, it'll be interesting what's, what's going on. Uh, another name that came out of bowl practices to, uh, uh, to me uh, was, was interesting was Jordan Whittington. He seems to be committed, you know. So I, I we'll see whether or not he actually – makes an announcement that he's returning. We believe that's going to be the case at Inside Texas, but uh, we're going to let him speak for himself on that one and, and figure it out. All right, uh, that's been this week's, uh, this Friday's uh, Longhorn live stream. Uh, Jerry and I, we have another one uh, due. We, we, uh, if you haven't watched the recap of the offensive recruiting class, uh, we please do that. We're going to do one next for the defensive recruiting class. We'll have that uh, ready for you guys to go tomorrow morning on a Saturday Uh, Take your time watching that or listening to that, uh, however you choose to do it. Uh, Ian Boyd, we appreciate you, bud. Uh, Jerry Hamilton as well. Uh, For you guys, I'm Bobby Burton and our producer, Matt Hutchison. This has been Longhorn Livestream on Texas Football. Thanks.